This is the Devin Kershaw Show from Faster Skier, and it is the wrap-up after a World Cup weekend of racing in Novo Mesto, Czech Republic. A few things of note, Devin was flying solo this weekend and handling the interview as well as the technical side of things. Former Canadian national ski team member Jess Cockney joins Devin for the show. Okay, here we are. Um, I'm just going to jump right into it. We're here with Jess Cockney, who has been a teammate of mine for many, many years, four times in the top 10 on the World Cup, three national titles. He has won a bunch of fantasy football titles as well. This year finished last in our league in fantasy football. We may get into that a little later. Um, He fake retired, came back, and has won a Noram already this this year. We're not going to get so much into that because we're going to try and keep it fairly tight and just go over the World Cup races that happened in Nova Mesto in the Czech Republic. I'm going to start right off the gun. Have you raced in Nova Mesto? Sorry, I've done so many goddamn World Cups, I forget like who was where and what was what. But have you ever been on those tracks in Nova Mesto? No, I haven't actually. Um, never been to Czech Republic. Like through all the years, there was E23s, Juniors, World Cups. Like just never got to Czech Republic. That is that's interesting. I mean, I've raced in Nova Mesto a lot. I mean, in the early years of the tour, you were in diapers. But um, <laughs> old men like me, we. we in those tour de skis, like that was crazy. We were driving, doing like six, seven hour drives between venues. And I've raced in Nova Mesto for many, many years. It's really changed over the years. And you can see now, I mean, you see those stands, they were empty. We'll get into that a little bit later too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, when it's prepared well and when things are working well, Nova Mesto is a great venue. Today, oh, sorry, not t- today was better because it was a pursuit. But yesterday, let's just get right into it with like, what was up with the short lap, the long lap, like, that was so weird. Have you ever seen that in a World Cup before? Never. And it ends up having such a huge effect on the results too, which I don't understand like the preparation of a World Cup. Maybe they didn't have quite enough snow to do the loops they were hoping to, but you have guys like Emil Everson that he's disqualified for skiing the wrong loop in what looked like on video a super confusing stretch coming into the stadium. Um and Hans Christer Holland making a mistake too and dropping out all these other guys that it's affecting their race. So yeah, I'd say like uh, that just looked weird. It was a like I agree. A super weird look. Oh, it was totally weird. And like this whacked out loop distance too. I mean one point yeah. six or something, and then all of a sudden a three point two and then <laughs> like what is going on? And I, I totally agree with you. I mean like I was following the race closely and, and you see Holland, I mean, 15 K skate, you got to expect Holland to be a boss. And he was looking so good. He was so snappy. And then all of a sudden he dropped out and I'm like, what? I mean, he was, he was in the top five and then all of a sudden he dropped out. So I was super confused and, and you could see, I know what you're talking about. Like when they both came up that hill and then those tracks are kind of paralleled and then the V boards were all weird. And no, I was really disappointed that the, a venue like Nova Mesto could have such a miss like that. Cause like you said, it really did affect the race, which is, uh, which is weird. And it's too bad. Cause now Everson talked a lot about the overall world cup and how important that was. He had dropped out of the tour to ski. Uh, got a cold there and then today or yesterday got relegated to last place raced in the wave today scored no points all weekend i mean the overall ship has sailed for animal that's too yeah, bad it is i don't know if he gets points like he was fifth best time of day but um like it shows like where he could have been at the top of the race today had he just been able to like ski a normal race and not get disqualified 
yeah, I know it's uh, about 41st um, overall, quote-unquote, racing at the wave, which yeah. is, you don't yeah. expect Ian Leverson to start in the wave, especially <laughs> after the season he's had today, uh, this no. year. Uh, let's jump into the women's race. We're going to just go through the women's race from both days, Saturday and Sunday. Let's start with Saturday's uh, 10K skate for the women, like we talked about. Tough conditions, hey? It was kind of soft, and you, you definitely couldn't smash, like... Uh, like some of the more of the men, I guess the heavier men could definitely not smash through a such soft course. I was so happy I wasn't in that race. I just those are the worst <laughs> conditions for me of all time. <laughs> yeah, those are the days that you watch and you're you don't miss racing on the World Cup. That that's easy to just watch on TV. But I agree, the conditions looked super challenging. It seemed as though the women had a better course condition for for their race than the men. Um, the guys, by the time the last finishers like were, were cruising around, it, it looked like almost over-the-boot snow, which in the skate race is going to affect like so much of who's at the top. Like You can see the light guys, like sure, having a great day, um, and some of the other like bigger guys having a little bit of a tough time, but like Cali being outside the points was shocking to see. But, um, yeah, conditions look like they probably played a huge part in yesterday's race. Yeah, absolutely. But one person that was not affected by the conditions, she hasn't been affected by any conditions or any course or anything. Therese hug, of course. I mean, people that listen, it's probably like seven of you, but thank you for that. <laughs> Therese is, uh, she's unstoppable. She looked great. She had a great race. Nepreva, really impressive after her great tour de ski uh, to be second, yeah, she's thirty seconds, thirty-two point seven seconds back, Teresa. But at the other, uh, but honestly, like I think that was a great race. Diggins had a solid day, but the uh, the race of the day, to be perfectly honest, for me was yeah, uh, Ragnar. Yeah, Hager. having a a big like it's her race, like a ten k skate individual start, obviously like Olympic champion in that event. So um, great to see her back at that level. Like she's forty eight seconds behind Teresa, but it's still like. The, the direction looks like it's going up for Ragnhild. And, um, yeah, for someone that's Olympic champion, that, that seems like the, uh, like an encouraging sign. Oh, I totally agree. I thought I thought she looked great, too. I mean, her technique, she looked a lot snappier than she has uh, prior in the last, like you said. I mean, geez, it's been almost two years it's since she's a, had a good a race. Yeah, it's been a minute, for yeah. sure. So I thought that was an amazing... That was the race of the day for me for, on the women's side yesterday. Diggins technically looked kind of rough uh yesterday i have to be honest but jesus she can just go deep and i mean fourth place yeah. eight seconds from the podium diggins is impressive yeah. honestly like mentally i was never as strong as diggins for one second of my entire career than she is every day so uh, i don't know what you thought but i was really yeah. impressed i was just gonna say too like there's no one that goes to the well like jesse like just the full out effort that she puts into every single race is wild to see. And it just kind of makes you remember like when you were a junior and you had no race plan, no strategy. It was just like give her pinner from the second you started until you crossed the line. And Jesse's managed to do that her entire career. And like being, uh, like you said, like an old guy trying to make a comeback, like it's hard to do that. Like at an older age to just like, trust yourself and fly from the start of the race it's really crazy impressive that jesse sends it every single race i couldn't agree more i think jesse diggins men or women 
like you said, nobody goes to the well. No one goes right to the basement every single time and uh, tip mm-hmm. my hat. I mean, I thought fourth place, super solid. Those aren't Jesse's conditions either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Jesse really smashes. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, when it's finesse type conditions like it was out there yesterday in Nova Mesto, to be fourth, that was great. And now, sadly, we got to move on to today's race for the women. And Jesse didn't have the best race she's ever had. Classic for Jesse has been a bit of a white whale. Uh, <laughs> It's been tough. I mean, third in the classic sprint in the Tour de Ski. What a great classic race for Jesse there. But today, I mean, dropped all the way to 10th. She had the from fourth and only had the 20th best time. So she's still struggling with her classic skiing. But uh, Katarina Henning, oh, the Germans need that, hey? 11th from 20 seconds to 11th. That was a, that was a solid yeah. day by the German. Yeah, same thing. I'm, I'm impressed with her time of day, like fighting up through the pack like that. And like she chose her fitness and classic, right? Like she had that podium, her first podium ever in the tour to ski and 10 K classic. And, uh, this seems like a good race for her right now. So maybe she can find herself on another podium and be a little bit more cool about it next time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know for sure. But I mean, Germany needs this too. Um, You know, people, we forget, I think younger athletes and younger fans and stuff, they forget like how strong Germany was both in the men's and women's. Because, I mean, back in the anger days, you had, like, Claudia Kunzel, you had uh, Zettel, you had, they were, like, Hankel, and uh, Steffi Bowler. I mean, you had a lot of top women, too, and and it's uh, it's great to see someone like Katarina Henning uh, really coming back. Sorry for the brief interruption here, folks, because there was a minor technical difficulty during the original recording. We'll also take this opportunity to mention the sponsor of the episode. This episode of the Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by the Alberta World Cup cross-country races in Canmore from March 19th to the 22nd later this year. We're talking the world's fastest cross-country skiers in a blow-your-mind Rocky Mountain backdrop that is Canmore. The races are the final series for the World Cup and to boot on Sunday, March 22nd. You'll get to see the first ever World Cup Mixed Relay. You can start planning your trip at albertaworldcup.com and you'll love this. Entry to the races and bus transport from downtown is free. Okay, back to the episode. Oh, yeah, we're back. Okay, we had some technical malfunctions because, well, <laughs> that's how it is. But uh, yeah, that is how it is at Heat Day Productions. But what jumped out to you Today, in today's race, we covered the women's race, uh, the 10K skate yesterday. But today, Diggins had a tough day. That's where we kind of left off. Heading, we were impressed with. But um, what else What else jumped out to you? Yeah, like I, I think I'm just really impressed with where uh, Ingville Osberg is right now. Having like really like public kind of like tough open to the season, missing a lot of the races with health issues and then being able to come back in the tour having like great days obviously winning that the um the race over teresa um and then today having the second best time and a lot of the the race she just looked good like she's driving the double pole up the climbs you can see heidi and neprieva at at points are striding but ingvild is still double pulling and really like the one pushing the pace so um yeah i was super impressed with ingvild to see like how good of a comeback she's had for like a tough start to the season health wise. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, when you look at technique, mm-hmm. Teresa has made huge gains, and but she just has such a huge engine too. Right. So it's easy yeah. to sing praises, but 
But Ingveld has the best technique in the women's field, hands down, both classic and skate, as far as I'm concerned. And I agree, Definitely. today was on yeah. display. I mean, it was amazing how she was negotiating. Those, those conditions did not look easy. I mean, the tracks were moving around. Um, they were kind of glazed, it looked like, all that fresh snow and fairly warm. I mean, I yeah. couldn't agree more. Ingveld, Ingveld was the race of the day for me today, even though Therese yeah. just outclassed everybody. For sure. Yeah. I, like you said, technique wise, like I use Ingville a lot with, um, the foothills kids with watching technique just to see like what a strong, stable skier looks like even in the middle of like a 30 K race for them. She's just super on it. Like really composed technical skier. Yeah. No, it's amazing. And speaking of foothills, foothills is the biggest club or not biggest, I guess, Nakatuck just made this and freaked out. (laughs) Foothills has been traditionally a very, very strong club in Canada for a number of years. And Jess, you're you're a coach on their coaching staff, racing and going to school full-time. We'll come back around to that after we go through the races, but uh, that's what Jess is talking about. So he coaches some of the best juniors and under 23 athletes on men's and women's side in the country. So that's, that's where that came from. Moving on to the men. Let's uh, let's unpack that 15k skate. Were you weirded? Were you as weirded out as me to see Bolshinov first, Niskanen second? Yes, completely. Uh, like I woke up, and obviously I didn't watch the race live, so I just opened my phone to wake up, and I kind of just assumed that they did it classic. Um, like I didn't even look at um, what the technique was because that just made sense to me to see those two guys at the top of a 15 classic and then it's a double take when you see like oh man like they did it in skate Um, and I think that that shows like what two guys at the top of the sport can do like if they make an effort like I know Evo um, was public about saying like he's working on his skating um, which is crazy for like an Olympic champion to still have like this hole in his his repertoire that he needs to work on skating um but clearly like it worked and and bolshinov as well too like watching them in the race they both look so chill like they're stable they're really calm they don't look like they're like moving quickly and they just are crushing every single stride even in tough conditions it was really impressive race from them I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, those were horrendously tough conditions like we talked totally. about. All that confusion with the short lap, the long lap, guys getting DQ'd. And then as the race went on, I mean, Gaillard finished fifth. He's like 375 years old and was yeah. able to come fifth. That was impressive. Uh, those were conditions for the French. And Gaillard, tip your hat to him. That was a hell of a race. I heard that Kruger broke a pole and had to ski a long time with only one pole yesterday. And I think that could explain a little bit of what happened when, when Kruger is 113 back in a 15K skate. I was weirded out with that, but that explains it. Playbo in seventh. I mean, I think it was a good skate race for him individual start. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I do. Um, he seems as though like he's made an effort. Like he's training now, I think, with the all-round team instead of the sprint team. And um, this season, just in general, it's been an impressive like individual start distance season for him. And um, like that's a... a spot that's going to keep him fighting with Bolshinov in the overall and keep it exciting all the way till the end of the year. Um, and to be seventh, like it doesn't seem like super impressive, but it just means he doesn't lose that much ground to Bolshinov on a day that it's uh, like a pursuit start the next day. Yeah, no, for sure. And the other thing that jumped out is uh, Heve Arnon in sixth. Yeah. <laughs> I probably butchered that story. Finland. Uh, but uh, he really sallied after that race yesterday and with good reason. I mean, maybe the Finns just had 
really good skis because for me to see two spins in the top six uh, in a 15k skate i mean i don't know if that's it's been a while since since that's happened they've They've traditionally struggled in skate, and yes, I know that like Issa Metza and Hari Kivers need me, but I mean they had a little help there. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually was the Finns had a just phenomenal day, especially for skating, and and that was Ivo Niskanen's first ever World Cup podium in a 15k skate. But like you said, he really talked about how he wanted to improve his his skating this year it was a big goal, and then in one of those early races of the year, those early races in Finland, he smashed. I mean, he won a 15k skate by 40 seconds. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's so weird. So I guess the writing was on the wall. He was fourth in Davos, which also weirded me out. But I mean, tough conditions too. Like you said, Ivo Niskanen on the podium, like, that was that was wacky. Yeah, very so, impressive. What a race. And then moving on to today, I mean... I guess before today, we move on to today, we do yeah, have to give a going. shout out let's... to Father Time now at uh, 40, or I guess turning 40 this year, John Mark Gaillard. Still getting her yeah, done. Let's keep, on, yeah, that's true. I mean, I love how I tried to breeze over that. Like, getting her done big time. And in tough conditions, man. And, like, I honestly, I guess I haven't been following the World Cup close enough, but I didn't even think John Mark Ayard was racing anymore. I thought he had, like, kind of, like, skied off into the sunset. Um, no, no, totally. He's been pack filled this year, and, and the French have had a tough season, man, in yeah, distance. And then their, their to have are good. also, like, one of the young guys, Hugo Lapalus in yeah. the like 11th place there yeah, um and then race. they packed the next rate like block behind that with clement parisse and adrian backscheider like really good day for the french skiers um oh, amazing but, and day. being led by their um at this point yeah veteran of the world cup circuit and their team for sure jean-marc are really really impressive oh absolutely and like you said just to keep on the french vein i mean to have four french in the top 15 that's what we expect in the 15k skate. I mean, that's what we've expected Definitely. in the 15k yeah. skate for the last 15 years. I yeah. mean, you go back to like Vincent Vitoz or uh, Emmanuel Jonier, and they've always had such a strong skating tradition. And this year they have struggled, man. They've been on the struggle bus. Like everyone's like, oh, here we go. We're in Davos. France is going to crush the top 10. And pff, nope. And then. Yeah, not there. And then, uh, yeah, no, Father Time is a great nickname. <laughs> so, I agree. I agree. It was, I was majorly impressed and uh, kind of cool to see as well, like you said, those those younger French guys coming online, like Hugo Lapelus, like born in 1998 and uh, 11th place. That is uh, that is a great, great race. And I mean, it'd be interesting to see how he could do in the under-23 World Championships a little little later in the season here. I mean, with a race yeah, like that. Definitely. He's, he's dangerous. Yeah. So now we can move on to the the classic portion. Uh, again, rough conditions, hey? Like, it's it got a little unlucky. The athletes got a little unlucky with some snow falling and just yeah. looked hard. It looked, looked difficult to ski well. Just one of those days that the tracks turn into the mirror. You're not really sure how to wax for it. Like, if you prioritize kick or speed, yeah, I, like... Being um, an athlete on those days, it's just like it's that added stress of like, are, are we going to be able to figure it out? So it, it looked tough. Oh, for sure. And you know who is struggling out there when we're talking about that? I mean, Niskanen. And yeah. at first I was like, man, Niskanen just had a bad day. But you know what? On conditions like that, Finland, they, they missed the skis in comparison to the Norwegians that had absolutely lit skis today. Uh, but Evo, Evo just didn't look good today. But I think. That's why I think uh, 
in challenging conditions like that, it really, you know, it really, he struggled a little bit. But Claybolt raced the day for me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. What? Yeah, being able to come back from, uh, I guess he wasn't that far back in position wise, but he, he had a big gap to close down, catch back up, and really did a lot of the driving on his own um, to keep himself in the fight, like get those points to stay in the overall picture with Bolshinov and second best time of the day, winning a sprint to the line against uh, Kruger and Rota and dropping Evo. It's That was a majorly impressive race from, from Claybo. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And then Bolshinov, of course, we're not trying to we're not trying to paint over it a bit like Teresa, you know. He won the tour de ski. He was just so dominant yesterday and today in that big Russian style skiing, high hips, stable shoulders, mouth closed, smashing. Bolshinov when he's in shape, I mean he's he's untouchable in classic. Yeah. Um, you know, Niskanen has been able to compete with him in the past, but this year Bolshinov is just, he's in an, I know, I know that Evo won in, in Finland, but Evo always wins in Finland. Uh, apart from that, Bolshinov has been uh, a step above in classic. And today going out there alone by himself and looking so good to me, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of like the Russian style of skiing in the sense that it looks fairly old school and takes a lot of energy and power to ski like that compared to the Norwegian style, which you're changing up uh, your tempo and the rhythm a lot. Ivo uh, Niskanen uses that too, changes his tempo and his rhythm, whereas like the Russian style is just long and powerful. But, but I mean, I don't know what you think, but I mean, Bolshinov is just, he's having an obviously great season. He won the Tour de Ski, but today he looked very, very solid again in classic. Yeah, today was funny. It was one of those days that he makes it look so easy that you're kind of convincing yourself when you watch it, like, oh, well, that's like, he's going to win. That doesn't look like they're even going that hard, but like, obviously he's moving out there. He's third best time of day and he keeps everyone away from him. It's not even close in the end. He doesn't have to ski with anyone but himself. Um, and like I said, just making it look so easy. I, I am always impressed when the top of the sport looks easy like that because we, we know what it's like to race against these guys. And like, I definitely, I know it's not easy. And, um, well, especially in conditions like that, just like totally. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not a, like a small guy too. Like he's not floating on powder or anything. He's driving through tough conditions and hammering the double poles, gliding super well and composed on the striding and, um, yeah, making it look, look easy. Oh, totally easy. And I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't agree with you more. I mean, <laughs> I've raced so many races and, Evil Niskanen today did not look good in all aspects of that course, not all around that course. And he's he's arguably one of the best, if not the best classic skier in the world, whereas Bolshinov makes that look like a zone three session. So yeah, I know he's he's a cut above. And I think uh the race for the overall is is pretty impressive. I mean, yeah, it's over a hundred points now between Bolshinov and um and um Playbo, but a lot of sprints left. There's a lot of sprints left in the season and, and Bolshinov has had some good sprints, especially in the tour de ski and stuff. But I mean, you got to think that Claybo is right in there, but it's going to come down to the wire. I think it could come down to Canada to see who takes the big globe. So I'm excited to see that race. What about you? Yeah. The, the competition for the overall is um, really interesting to see. And I, I think with all these tours that are happening in the year, you know, we've already had 
um, like Ruka with uh, the like the Ruka Triple Tour. Then you have the Tour to Ski, obviously. Then we come up with the Scandinavian Tour, um, and then Sprint Tour too. Um, so there's just all these like events that I feel like favor Claybo to stay in it, and then just at the end to have a Sprint Tour. I'm not even sure how the points work for that, but that just seems like it should be like Claybo should make it rain points with that. Um, and really hopefully, uh, like show his sprint form. Um, but yeah, it's going to be down to the wire, probably going to come down to like racing up and down the wall in Canmore. And that'll be a super exciting finish for the the men and the women. Oh, for sure. I think it's going to be so exciting. And then the other cool thing for me is, I mean, Bolshunov is the best distance skier, uh, and Claybo is the best sprinter. And Bolshinov's no slouch in sprinting and Playbo is also very good in distance skiing as well. And I just think it's it's so interesting because you're gonna see Holman Cole in his fifty K classic again this year. Uh I mean, come on. Bolshinov is gonna yeah. rush that. And then with all those bonuses out on course, there's like up at Frogner said that every single lap there's bonus bonus points on the line. And Claybo's gonna have it tough to to be in the fight from the gun to tape like like Bolshinov. So you have to assume Bolshinov's going to take a lot of points in that 50k classic in Holmenkollen later in Mar- or at the first week in March and and then like you said those those races in uh in North America with the sprints Claybo's shown that he's the best sprinter in the world in a number of years now. So it's going to be you know it's going to be super exciting. So I'm I'm pretty psyched about that. Definitely. Uh we got to give a little bit of a shout out for a level down. Uh, we're going to step away from the World Cup for a couple seconds and, and just let's have a round of applause for Daria Beatty and Catherine Stewart-Jones on the OPA in Pregelato. <laughs> That's yeah. the 2006 Olympic courses. Canada's had good races there, I'm not going to lie. Chandra Crawford, Olympic champion. <laughs> Becky and Sarah, silver in the team sprint. And uh, they haven't had races in Pregelato in a long, long time. And I was really stoked to see Canada go 1-2 in a 15k classic and then today in the 5k Catherine stewart jones takes the win and daria Beatty in third this is the lift that the canadian team needs they need some they need to go back to the roots a bit take a level away from the world cup feel that feeling of winning again and take some confidence and uh, i mean they the whole team there should be really proud of the the racing that those two women did yeah i agree i was a little surprised that this gang wasn't going to race the World Cup in Nova Mesto, but when you have a, a, a result that, you know, you, you have winners uh, on both days, you've got podiums, um, there's like an energy that comes from just being the team that, that shows up and kicks ass on the weekend. Um, and, you know, momentum is kind of this like ridiculous thing in sports, but if they can carry some of this momentum from a confidence building weekend and it, like it's an international field, um over to the world cup next weekend that they get to race uh that's sweet i i'm sure that they're catherine and daria are both over the the moon with race results like that and they should be that shows great form they both worked hard and uh yeah those are well-deserved races from them i agree and i hope uh i hope next week in oberstdorf that they can carry that through i mean daria has qualified in three out of three sprints on the world cup uh so that's good so if she can make that four to four with the classic sprint there in Oberstdorf and then the distance race, if, if one of them, one of the two women there that are having such strong results now could, could sneak into the points. I mean, that's, that's a bit of momentum and 
you know, you're biased, so you really can't comment too much on this. But Canada does have some strong juniors and under 23s uh, athletes. So when those championships get going, I mean, we had some great races, top 10s last year and, and top 30s from really young athletes. So it'll be exciting to see what the future holds there. But as far as the senior side of things are going, I mean, it's for North American ski fans. The U.S. is amazing. Thank God for the U.S. women. They're they're the second best team in the world. That's awesome. <laughs> and yeah. uh, that gives us lots to cheer for. But for the Canadian side, it's um, it's been a bit of a dry spell. I think, at least from my perspective, you know, Alex retires. And on the World Cup side of things, it's like, oh, man, like it's pretty fun to cheer on Canadians every single weekend for top results. But uh, today on the OPA, I thought we had to discuss that a little bit. Yeah, rightfully so. I have a little bit of a weird question for you. What's up with the size of the bibs? <laughs> no, why, why I, are they racing in coaching bibs oh it's funny i was talking to um my girlfriend annika hicks about this yesterday and it's like they went on the website to pick a bib and there's the fit and it's like athletic fit like slim fit and they saw like relaxed fit and we're like yep hit the button on relaxed fit for the bibs and i guess it's pretty casual i feel like that would have been like a scene for our teammates graham killick and lenny back in the day like they would oh, have yeah, picked totally. a relaxed fit every time Oh, yeah, and just um, chill. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and just chill. Um, but it looked kind of weird. It, it made everybody look like a different size than they are normally. Um, I'm, yeah, that is a weird question, but I, I noticed exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it was just so wacky. And, I mean, we've talked a little bit. I don't know if we've, I've talked about it on, on uh, this little project here, but, you know, IBU, the Bathlon circuit, does such a good job, and they have such tight control over so many details with, when it comes to... Um, how the sponsor banners are laid out, the production of the TV, the bibs, the whole thing. It's like, it's like F1. Like you turn on the TV to watch a Bathon World Cup and it's like, yeah, this is a Bathon World Cup. Whereas in cross country, it's just another example of like fist. <laughs> you turn on the World Cup and you're watching Holman Colon or you're watching the races in Camor or Quebec and you're like, okay, yeah, this is well produced, looks pretty organized. And then in Nova Mesto, you have these weird loops happening. And then Teresa Yohag is racing in like a dress, essentially. <laughs> I mean, like it's yeah. over her bottom. <laughs> yeah, it's a smock. Yeah, it's a smock, She's totally. Just... <laughs> and, and, and you're like, what is this? I mean, is this the same circuit here? So that was super weird. And then I have to say, I was pretty choked to see that Nova Mesto has been jammed in the past with Lucas Bauer and Noemanova back in the days, Martin Kukul, the champ. Uh, 2003 world champion in the 50k back when they were racing i mean nova mesto would just be jam-packed with fans and both these days i mean a lot of huge stands there and not a lot of people in them yeah i I think it's kind of like we were talking about with germany too like you know there's these heydays for the sport um like it's getting into like decades ago now but um power seems like it just consolidates in norway and sweden even finland i guess too but um like where these countries that were kind of more broad and diverse World Cup circuits, like it's not really the case anymore. Um, like I, you have to go kind of deep to find like Czech Republic's like top skiers. And, um, you know, we're like we're celebrating great races from German skiers, but, you know, like they're fifth in these races. So it's, yeah, I, I think it just kind of shows like the state of where cross country is and like the power is, definitely vested in a couple continually more and more powerful countries 
Um, yeah, it's strange. And, In one way, it's strange to me. Yeah, and it, it just uh, then you have these venues that the the World Cup shows up to, and um, fifty or sixty fans from. The, the region, <laughs> yeah. at least in Canmore, it's so weird. Um, you know, my mom's a teacher in Canmore. So in the World Cups there, um, it's mandatory for all the students to get bussed from school to the <laughs> to the Nordic Center to watch. So the, the fans are full of kids. Just, um, yeah, mandatory. Yeah, they're having a fun time, too. Yeah, yeah but they're course. having a good time. And I mean, speaking of the Czechs, I mean, Razimova was eighth. She's born in 1991, and she was eighth in the in the pursuit in the classic. She was tenth on the skate day and eighth overall. Which you and I, who are like super Nordorks, are like that is a great race, and she has had a great season, lots of top tens this year. But that's not going to draw the fans, like you said. Yeah. Like Lucas Bauer wins; he's mm-hmm. the overall World Cup winner. Yeah, Tour de Ski winner, Manova, Olympic yeah. champion. Yeah, and that drew the fans, and Razimova just doesn't draw the fans even though I think she's been having just a, a super great season. But uh, no, it's strange. And I mean, why do you think that is? I mean, I, 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 people ask me that. Like, why is Norway and Russia and then the Swedish women so strong right now? And I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think it's just waves. I, I, mean, I totally agree. It goes in waves. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, but it is weird. They're, it's not that long ago that, you know, Vancouver 2010, the Norwegian men were starting athletes in the race because they didn't have a second skater um you know like they had they had and then they were looking outside of their sport like completely outside of their sport to biathlon to fill that relay um and i get it like that's a decade now it seems like a long time ago but that's you know these guys careers like sure rotha was at those olympics like it's pretty recent that that major power shift has happened so I yeah, guess you never know, absolutely. like these countries could pull up their socks and try to compete more with the, the top guys and, and women. But um, I think it just continually gets harder and harder because the power just kind of keeps building upon itself in these countries and the dollars. No, and um, yeah, but I agree. It is. It is. You can't discount the fact that Norway wasn't as dominant both for men and women. It mm-hmm. wasn't that long. It was a decade. Yeah, I know. I'm an old, I know I'm holding balls. I know that. But <laughs> still, like, it doesn't seem like that long ago that, yeah, they had to look outside. And then, and then likewise, the Swedish men, my whole career growing up, I mean, the Swedish men were people that I looked up to and they were heroes. I mean, you had so many great races. I mean, like Gunda Svahn and Thomas Vosberg before him. And then you go like Jan Odison. And then you go up through like Per Ellison, Matthias Fredriksson, Sodergren. Um, you had like the sprinters with Bjorn Lind and Peter Larsen. And uh, uh, I got to watch myself here. Tobias Fredriksson. <laughs> My nickname for him isn't the, isn't the <laughs> nicest. But Tobias Fredriksson, uh, these guys were just, you expected Swedish men every single week. I yeah, Johan Olsen, of course, Johan Olsen. He changed scheme. I mean, really, with his win in the 50K in 2013, he showed that you can just drop the hammer and win alone and not just let Petter win in the sprint. And and now, Kali Halverson, yeah, I know I've trashed him a little bit on this thing, and I'm sorry, but I mean, 15K skate, you're not top 30, and you're, quote-unquote, one of the best in Sweden, if not the best skier, like him and Jens Berman. And Jens Berman had a wicked crash today. I don't know if you caught that, but man, like, he... he Oh, I did wow. actually. Wow. That looked so people vicious. that are expecting, yeah. like, why is Jens Berman back in Packville? Like, watch the crash. Try and look that one up. It's uh, that was full on into the rhubarb. But yeah. but still, the fact that we're talking about like Callie Halverson or Jens Berman, like these are the best Swedes, and 
their top 10 once in a while. Mm. That's just weird to me. Yeah, Callie's race yesterday was bizarre. Something must have happened like off camera. I didn't get a chance to read any Swedish news. Um, doesn't make its way to Calgary that that quickly. Um, Especially when it's minus 30 or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so something probably happened with Callie. He was seventh on the day for, for time of day today. So I guess he's still fit. It just didn't really show in um, in yesterday's result. But I agree completely. It's... Um, you know, a guy that used to be in the media telling people that his his fitness was better than Sunby and he had more talent than than Petter. Um, it's 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 Where's not that, it's not here. I guess that's no, it's not here. And Helner, I mean, Helner tried to talk a little bit of smack really, really early in his career. And Petter, I think his answer was like Marcus Helner. I've never heard yeah. of him. And you know what? By the end of both those guys' career, Petter Nortug had heard of Marcus Hellner. I mean, world champion in the sprint in home and cold. And Olympic champion. And of course, Olympic champion and Olympic silver medal in, in uh, Sochi. So, I mean, Hellner is also part of that long list of total bosses. And, and Swedish, the Swedish men is just a disparaging. I mean, it's really tough to see. And then, and then from the men's side, for me, it's like it's just a Norway-Russia show right now. And they ski beautifully. So, it's it's... I find it exciting. I mean, it is fun to follow along, but I can't really think of the last time from the men's side of things that it's just like only two countries, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I, I agree. And it is at the point now where it's like, I'm, I'm pretty ready for like another guy to come up and, and shake things up for the women too. you know, have, have someone interesting and like a different story to come up and cheer for. But um, yeah, when these countries just have so much, uh, resources poured into it it becomes so much of their culture it's it's kind of tough to compete against that oh it is tough um, to compete. And, th- yeah. and then success breeds success yeah right? and i i think that's what continually impresses me about the american program is how successful the american men and women are um, in chasing like the top top of the sport like there's olympic champions world champions um, consistent top 10 skiers and there's a pipeline that happens with that program too of young guys and girls getting a chance on a world cup and and showing up like i don't know how many different julia kern this year uh, exactly like there just is like always in a season a new impressive american skier um so yeah huge shout out to the americans for being able to be totally in the mix um with with countries like Norway, Russia, Sweden, and Finland, it's yeah, really impressive. Oh, it's amazing! It's and it's so fun to cheer them on. Yeah, so good on you, yeah, US. They're great and, people, uh, great athletes. They're just yeah, pretty awesome. Speaking of skiing, Jess, you're um, you're on this little comeback. You got a, you're wearing a lot of hats. Uh, don't have a kid if you you know you feel busy. You're busy enough going yeah. to school full time, <laughs> uh, racing some Norams, coaching a amazing club in Canada with the futures bright. Like I said earlier in this uh, in this little chat we had, but uh, so you probably have to get out and go for a ski yourself. But I really really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk some smack with me. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Um, psyched to to be on the podcast. Yeah, we call it a podcast yet? I don't know. It just seems like a convoluted. It's, it's on Apple chat. Podcasts. It's a podcast. It is. Oh man! Well, yeah. then we, we you're a podcaster. Thank, well, we have to thank Jason at uh, Faster Skier. Let's. I probably forgot to start press record on this thing, so I mean, I might have to call you back in a couple hours. But <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I really appreciate it, Jess. Take uh, take it easy. Have an awesome ski, and, and good luck with everything moving forward. Yeah. Thanks, man. We'll catch you later. Thanks for listening. 